Welcome to episode 24 of Paper Talk, a monthly series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the field of hand papermaking. I'm Helen Hebert, and today I'm talking with husband and wife Pat and Peter Gentenar in the town of Delft in the Netherlands. Peter and Pat met in the late 60s at the California College of Arts and Crafts, now California College of the Arts, or CCA, and settled in the Netherlands shortly afterwards. Peter talks about how the struggle to make three-dimensional prints led him to envision making his own paper, and how an introduction to commercial papermaking at the Royal Dutch Paper Factory got him started. Pat discusses how studying fiber arts at CCA with well-known fiber artist Truda Germompre ultimately led her to creating pulp paintings before there was even a name for the technique. We discuss how they navigated the financial support system for Dutch artists, raised two daughters, and restored the historic farmhouse where they still live and work today. The Gentenars were integral members of IATMA in the early 80s and founded the Holland Paper Biennial in their hometown, which is still alive and well today. Peter also shares a funny story about how he blew out the city fuses when he turned on his first beater and how the incident eventually led to the development of his own beater, the Peter Beater. Hi, Peter and Pat. It's wonderful to be here in your kitchen in, how do you pronounce the name of the city? It is Rijswijk. Rijswijk, Holland. Um, Tell me how you two got got together and got interested Mm -hmm. in paper. Both of you are paper artists. Uh, Well, I guess I have to take the blame for that because in... uh, I finished four years of uh, art school in The Hague, Free Academy, very nice school. Then I got a scholarship to study sculpture in Milano with Mario Marini. Mm. That was 68, and uh, the Italians always do what the French do, but half a year later, so the university and the academy were closed, we're building barricades, running away when the police came, that kind of stuff. And... Mm. Um, I met a family from the Bay Area who was an opera singer <clears throat> and he was very homesick and told me beautiful stories about California. So I applied for a uh, mastership, uh, for a scholarship too, but uh, for, for a place in the uh, master's degree school, what you might call that. And I got accepted in California College of Arts and Crafts in Oakland, California, getting my master's in printmaking. And I wasn't at all working with paper. I was really, my relation with paper was the prints that I made on the paper. Right. And you had, you said you did sculpture prior to that? Yeah. Sorry. So what, I'm just curious about the transition. I, I was just con- constantly f- switching uh-huh, from one uh-huh. thing to another. And as a result of that, uh, in California, I got, uh, I started to make etchings with a very deep profile in the plate mm-hmm. so that the paper would really uh, show a huge embossing. Mm-hmm. And I went as far as I could. And then in, in the end, uh, the felt couldn't push the paper into the crack gravities anymore. <clears throat> I pushed it with my fingers. The paper ripped, got frustrated. And what kind of paper were you using? BFK. BFK. That mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I kind of tossed it uh, under my bed and forgot it for a couple of years. Went into, uh, went back to Holland and uh, I had a old cast iron lithography press there and big litho stones and I concentrated on lithography for about four years and Pat had been studying uh, textile in also CCAC Oakland and she was in the class with Trude Germanpre, a very famous weaver who came originally from Czechoslovakia, went to Bauhaus, Germany, fled for, because she was Jewish, fled to the Netherlands, 
Uh, her husband was in the underground who, and he got shot by the Germans uh, at the very end of the war. Mm-hmm. And she was so uh, fed up with everything that she immigrated to the States also. Okay. You want to talk a little bit yeah. since he brought you up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Judah Gormonpre was was a wonderful teacher, mm-hmm. and I was a, a it was a textile department, it was fiber arts. So we did a lot of um, research into fibers and dyeing, spinning, and all different techniques. But it was very fiber uh, oriented. And Peter and I met at a Halloween party in 1969 mm-hmm. at, at Arts and Crafts. Mm-hmm. And we uh, lived together in California, and then uh, after he came back to Holland, I, I came about five months later. Okay. And then uh, we lived together ever since. Uh-huh. And I was weaving, and he was doing his lithos, but he was also experimenting with paper. Uh, in the beginning, just for the etchings with the deeper um, embossing. embossing. But soon he started uh, getting more interested in in the paper making and because I came from the textile department I knew about the fibers and Mm -hmm. we were able to work together quite a bit on fibers. So what did you, had you heard about handmade paper? There was no handmade paper in 1969. You were innovating. Later later we heard about the few pioneers there Mm -hmm. were but we knew nothing about anybody making paper. I think uh, my mother sent us an article from a newspaper about Garner Tullis Mm And that was the first time we heard about somebody else making paper. And he happened also to be in San Francisco. And Did you actually meet him? Yeah, I went to his warehouse somewhere near the, the harbor. Mm-hmm. And he had this huge, enormous press. And it's like a monster of metal and mm-hmm. pneumatic uh, pressures. and uh, So he could make big sheets and press and dry. Wasn't he working with that famous artist? That did the swimming pools, Hockney. Hockney. I thought I thought he helped when Hockney didn't really make those himself. Somebody no, no, was helping he, him. No, but that was a paper studio more in the oh. middle of the United States. Okay. Like with the name, with, it had its own name. That that mill, like a mm, magnolia. Mm, no, that's yeah. that's printmaking. Oh. oh yeah. I don't know who yeah. did the Hockney. Uh, Ken yeah. Tyler or. Yeah, it could be. One I got those. the book, so I have to dig it up. Yeah. Okay. So, but you were really <clears throat> pioneers as well. Yeah. So how yeah, did how did it happen? Well, it started with uh, Peter started experimenting with paper, and then yeah. he went to the um, to the Royal Dutch Paper Factory. You know, you, you start with very basic ideas, like uh, okay, I want three dimensional paper. It doesn't go because the paper is stiff, and even if I wet it, it becomes not flexible enough, mm-hmm. but then you think, well, if if you make paper at a certain stage, the paper is a liquid. Right. So it's very simple. I have to go back mm-hmm. in the making process to the liquid state, and I form it three-dimensional, and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> and that's a very th- simple thought without knowing any of the, of the problems you run into. Right. Like how do you get rid of... Uh, 99% water in your pulp. <laughs> and you were recycling old paper at that point. I was, had a huge washing machine and I uh-huh. threw in a newsprint and all kind of crap. And that's not really paper making. <clears throat> no, it was glorified papier mache. And I poured in white wood glue to make it uh, strong uh-huh. and hard. Stick together. Uh-huh. Stick together. Uh-huh. It foamed tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> meters of foam on top of the washing machine. But it wasn't really paper making. No, and I I felt that. So at a certain point I thought, well, I have to uh, really make a decision. And the decision was, I wrote a letter to the paper, the Royal Dutch Paper Factory in Maastricht, Mm -hmm. telling him all my plans about three-dimensional paper. And uh, Maastricht is in the south. Mm -hmm. You can't get any more south than that. And people are more relaxed, more friendly, and also the, the, the industry was not that high-strung then, back then, not with targets and profits and blah, blah, right. blah. So uh, the head of the fiber laboratory 
uh, wrote back, oh, why don't you come over and we'll uh, see what we can uh, do with you. So I came. And the man himself had just returned from uh, vacation in France, so he had delegated all his work to somebody else of the personnel and me and uh, Joop Persson, that was his name, uh-huh. we went running around the paper factory and let's, let's try this and do this and this is the color lab and then oh, and wow. I, was, wow, <laughs> I want a paper factory too. <laughs> so that, that's how it started. Uh-huh. And then um, with all that new impressions and, and energy, I applied for a, um, an experimental, experimental. grant. Yeah. That means you get money for a year to live, <laughs> just enough to live off, mm-hmm. and to have a little extra money for materials and expenses. And from the Dutch government? From, from the government. Uh-huh. And in fact, I got twice, mm. twice two years, not in a row, but right. they, they liked the developments they could see. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, then when I came back from the paper factory, I, um, I, what was very important is that I started uh, with vacuum pump. I, the first thing I did was go to a second-hand machine shop and buy a vacuum pump. Uh-huh. And I didn't know anything about vacuum pumps, but I was lucky they only had one in the <laughs> second-hand shop. So I bought that uh-huh. pump, uh-huh. and it was a very strong pump. And it was for milking cows, yeah. so it could handle liquid. Yeah. Ah, a lot of pumps, okay. the liquid would have ruined it. Yeah. Right. Well, right. actually, that's that's not true. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I uh, build a water separator myself yeah. in between it. But it helps that it can handle water. Uh, it doesn't really. No? No. Okay, so first you were um, creating these dimensional sheets. Yeah, and you never yeah. really form sheets, right? You're pouring pour, and sucking I, the water out, yeah. one at a time, one yeah, artwork at a time. Never this, this right. classic motion, no. Right. And I made molds. I, I, I made uh, reliefs in clay. Mm-hmm. And then I made a mold in plaster, took the clay out, and put the paper in. Ah, okay. So mm-hmm. back to my basic sculpture techniques. Right. Only I was using paper pulp as a final material. Was that really paper even? That was, <laughs> that was somewhere in between, yeah, right. uh, because I didn't have a Hollander. Right. So what I made was a, a, a mixer in a 200-liter oil drum mm-hmm. with an axle going down and little scoops and four verti- vertical ribs on the inside of the uh-huh. oil drum. Otherwise, you make a tornado and everything uh-huh. goes to right. the ceiling. Right. And then by the ribs on the inside... It makes two uh, motions. We've got wonderful uh, hand gestures going yeah. on for yeah. those of you listening. <laughs> but you see those Turning ribs, motion. If, if you look at the inside of a blender glass, uh-huh. you see the same ribs. Uh-huh. And, that's, yeah. and also a little propeller, and then you get the enormous uh, motion in your liquid. Right. And that rips the fibers apart. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, yeah, I made glorified papier-mâché. Right. And were you working in paper yet, Pat? Or when did you sort um, of start? I didn't start actually making paper until we got the first Hollander beater, I think. Because yeah. I didn't yeah. want to do the same thing Peter was doing. We did some experiments mm-hmm. with his techniques together, mm-hmm. trying to merge felting with this paper making mm-hmm. that he was doing. But actually, I thought it looked horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't continue on that direction. Yeah, no. No. But once he got the Hollander, then I could make real paper. And I didn't want to do his technique, so I was doing the old-fashioned um, pulling sheets. Pulling sheets, yeah. But yeah. I would pull a sheet, and then I would work with it. Uh-huh. And I had a whole lot of small screens, made different colors, and uh, uh, they were almost like um, when everything goes together, you do all different de- techniques, collages. But then, <coughs> because it was wet paper on wet paper, they really adhered to each other. It was cootsie, yeah. uh is Kuching? Kuching. Yeah. Kuching. Yeah. Kuching, okay. Kuching. Do you call your technique pulp painting at all? Or Now I do, uh-huh. but that isn't right. the way I started. Right. And I was also, uh, because I was a weaver, I used a lot of uh, strings, and I would do a weaving and embed it in the paper mm-hmm. and combine uh, making small paper Kuching, uh, Kuching? Kuching onto it and weaving. 
mm. onto it. And the weavings would be very airy with uh, uh, sewing thread, Gutterman mm. silk, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. very fine so that it all went together. It right. wasn't a, a big heavy weaving that was going into this piece. Right. And I would also make paper, tear it into pieces and weave that paper. Mm. Did a lot of paper weavings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and combinations. I see it. I see that coming out now, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we've discovered something new. And oh, I was doing that in the 70s. Right. <laughs> so right. many of these things. Nobody paid any attention to us. None of it ever got really published. No. But we did all these different techniques, one after another. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's how I ended up at the pulp painting. Okay. But it took years to get to the pulp painting. Right. So let's go back to the, yeah. the, the Hollander beater. How yeah. did that? What was um, your first the one? The cornerstone. That was again the, the Royal Dutch Paper Factory and Jopersson, who at, at a certain point called me up and said, I have got a, a lap beater which is going to be scrapped, sold for scrap metal. I have a feeling you had something to do with that. Are you interested? <laughs> Probably been around for years. <clears throat> yeah, and it was a, a huge monster standing oh, wow. on the concrete feet like that. Uh -huh. a, a very unusual type of uh, beater. It was an umpersome type that oh. throws the pulp in a vertical oh. loop over the knife roll uh -huh. and the bed plate is underneath yeah. and the knife roll is mounted on a hinging arm with, with counterweights mm -hmm. so that it can, you can uh, adjust yeah. the space between the bed plate and the roll. Right. As high speed, at the seven horsepower motor, <coughs> if I switched it on the whole street all the lights drop. <laughs> And, and sometimes went out. And then I, and then I had to uh, change the city fuses. Oh my goodness. Very illegal. And uh, it had water cooling because it, it, it oh, made so, it so many hot. rounds per minute. If you didn't have the cooling on, the, the pulp would be boiling in five minutes. Uh -huh. And wow. break the Hollander. That too. Eventually. Eventually. It broke because it. I'd, it was made for the paper industry, and they work with um, yeah, prefab cellulose. Sure. Yeah, these big blotters. Right. And that's that's peanuts. Mm -hmm. And I threw in raw flax and long right. fibers like that. And it spun around the axis, and it jammed. choked and yeah. jammed. So mm -hmm. I, I, I had to take this beautiful German high-tech machine apart and... Replace everything, the bearings and the rubbers and the whole ah. shaban. So you learned how it, uh, so how I, it functioned. I, I, yeah, yeah, I learned about beaters that uh -huh. way. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then we, we also, uh, the studio, the first studio was in an old school building. We had two classrooms mm -hmm. and the hall and uh, five toilets and a coal room and a kitchen. And <clears throat> all paper making. All full of paper and pulp. And uh, then we moved to the farm. Mm -hmm. It was a break of about three years because this was a ruin. And mm -hmm. I worked as a, a overseer. overseer house builder because it was also a monument. So I had to oh, follow certain work together with uh -huh. an architect and do it by the rules. And then when we had time again to... Uh, Start paper making. The, this this old uh, void Umbersen beater started to be more and more troublesome. And mm. uh, at a certain point, I, I got into a fight with the academy where I was teaching, um, uh, and that fight resulted in me being fired with a whole bunch of money to uh, keep me quiet uh -huh. and that was not only me but the whole personnel uh -huh. and with that money I invested in making a beater of my own design Okay. and that was basically what the Umpersum did mm -hmm. the, the, the floating uh, knife roll mm -hmm. on, on a hinging mm -hmm. arm mm -hmm. and, but then with the classic arena shaped tub and open so and, and no speed and uh, no water cooling and no no fancy stuff right. like that. And, and you could get to the axle to clean <clears throat> it. You could open it up and get. Yes, to, get to, get to, get to, get to, I had a Davis Hodges for a number of years, which yeah. had that same style. 
Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the fiber. Like, how did you come upon mm-hmm. flax? Pat, did you influence that with the textile? or? Uh, I think, yeah, in the beginning we were trying every fiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we knew all these fibers. Right. We had, it wasn't that hard getting flax here because with Flemish. Right. Yeah. Go to Belgium mm-hmm. or southern uh, Netherlands even. Yeah. First, I bought uh, uh, flax uh, leftovers, deche, mm-hmm. uh, they call it, and that has little bits of the inside still sticking to it. So they were very rustic looking. Yeah, there uh-huh. and there was a lot of. It was not linen; it was flax. And there was a lot of uh, because of their, their their marrow still being partly in there. It also gave a lot of. Hemicellulose, mm. which is a cellulose that deteriorates fast, but also um, while you're using it, beating it, and forming sheets with it, it acts like a glue. It's, it makes the pulp very sticky. Uh-huh. And, uh, but at the same time, because of this, this character, the pulp also uh, becomes brittle and starts to crumble. Uh-huh. So to avoid that, I found out that if you have uh, flax that's being uh, bleached, but not with chlorine, but with peroxide, mm. mm-hmm. then all this chemicellulose is washed off, uh-huh. and then you have a strong fiber. That's so, the linen. That's the linen. <clears throat> that mm. Most of my work is linen with a small percentage of hemp. Okay, Isn't it, is it still long or is it short? The, uh, or do you have the, to cut the, it the, short? The hemp is uh, coming in water sheets from, okay. from the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, the linen is uh, our so-called comblings. Uh, the, the, the bleached linen first goes to the textile industry. They comb it, so mm-hmm. they only keep the, the longer fiber mm-hmm. and the shorter fibers, and it's really like this, go to the paper industry. Okay. <clears throat> Under two inches? Yeah. And so you can put that in your beater <coughs> that goes like in that. The beater without any. And you beat the hemp and the linen separately. No, together. Together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. And I used a lot of cotton, uh-huh. but we were able to get bales of cotton. Yeah, but then we started with the bale from the Royal Paper Factory of, of cotton linters, which was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then when that went very finished uh, up very fast. Then we bought bales from uh, a spinnery here in the Netherlands. Okay. Ten big, big bales. Like big bales, yeah. So yeah. a raw fiber? Yeah. Or a yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, but it had been clean. I mean, yeah. there were no yeah. seeds or, Not or right no stems. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit like cotton wool, but then different. Right. Before, it was still fat and yeah. greasy. Yeah. Hadn't been degreased yet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. They still mm-hmm. have a bale. Yeah. We finished two bills, but we still have one. Ah. <laughs> right. And I'm not working so fast anymore. Right. It's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so at that point then, were you um, were you showing your work, selling your work? We have always showed work mm-hmm. from the very beginning, because mm-hmm. Peter kind of fell back on the lithos in, in the beginning of papermaking, because that was kind of a, a cash crop. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, he that's... had to go... He had, it was also, you had to see the season and the, uh, the, the way things were in the Netherlands in those days. You had an artist support system. Mm-hmm. And if you got into the artist support system, you were like uh, living in the gravy boat, yeah. <laughs> doing well. And we were both in the artist support system. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a financial thing you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, but they okay. buy your work. Oh, okay. You, yeah. um, you, can sell, you can sell work to them every, it was like two months. Uh-huh. And then you get money from them each time, and or up to t- every two years. Now, if you don't sell anything for them between two years, then they throw you out of the system because you obviously don't need it. Right. So we had to be careful that we always yeah. sent something in yeah. before the two years was, yeah. was gone. And we had to take turns. Peter would be yeah. in it for two years, and then I would be <coughs> in it for two years. And, and did the work we were married. travel? Where did the work go from the uh, artist support Most system? of it was hanging in City Hall of uh-huh. Westwick. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh huh. Yeah, and the rest, the country. And then, yeah, it was divided between uh, government buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
And is that a program that still goes no, on? No, that, that went out about the same time we bought the farm. Okay. Yeah, so okay. all of a sudden all our money was gone. <laughs> no, but a we lot bought, of artists, because yeah. of that system, they didn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. They didn't go to galleries, they, mm -hmm. and there were all these art rental places in those days that were also subsidy, subsidized. Mm -hmm. So we had work out in all these different art rental places, and they paid... 10% of the value of the art every year to you, often, even if it wasn't rented out, mm. and sometimes only it was rented out, but we were rented out a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So we were gain We had all these different places that we were oh. earning a little bit of money from. Right, yeah. right. And we had a gallery, mm -hmm. and, and we had shows, yeah. and a lot of artists were, were going out on their right race bicycles in the summer, and they were skating in the winter, and they weren't building up any kind of uh, back thing to fall right. back on if the system stopped. Right. And I came from America, and I thought, this isn't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> right, right. So it lasted, yeah, you know, we were in it a little bit more than 10 years, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And in that those 10 years, you also got the experiment. Yeah. Things. And then uh -huh. we, we lived in a, uh, a house that was on the nomination to be torn down in the city renewal area. Mm -hmm. And the studio in the old school was going to be torn down. Mm. And that yeah, kind cheap, of... Uh, so low rent, but uh, we, we saved every penny <laughs> because we knew we had to find new uh, living and working quarters. Right. And how long did you <clears> teach? At the academy, you said you were... I've 17 years at the first years. one. The first academy, 17 years, till I got uh, into this fight with the director. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the, the whole school change. Yeah, the whole school change. And just, what were you teaching? Model drawing and painting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, then I switched to the academy in Rotterdam, mm -hmm. where I did... Uh, they, they wanted paper making in the beginning. Oh. And... Uh, but that was the, the hobby or the, the vision of the director. And uh, the, I just had it installed, was going for two or three years, and then the director got sick. Got a, oh. And so his uh, second in command <coughs> didn't like paper at all. Oh, gosh. Threw everything in the basement and uh, paid my salary and said, you don't have to come, we'll think of something for you. I said, oh, well, I, I was busy enough here with yeah. the farm half built. But it was never a full-time job. It was always, no, it's like always one, one or two one days adjunct. a week. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. had him come and do... Um, In the end, they asked me to do my old printmaking uh, because my beautiful MFA yeah. from CCAC. They couldn't say they couldn't use him because he had an MFA in printmaking. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so, so how did your, um, how did the Holland Paper Biennial come about? And I think you mentioned that IAPMA right. was... Yeah, IAPMA started in about 86. We were not mm -hmm. there at the very beginning, but we were kind of, uh, they had, there was a paper symposium in Maastricht in uh, late summer 86, okay. and IAPMA had just been formed. A lot of people from IAPA were there. We heard about it. We joined immediately. We couldn't go to the um, first congress in Capilades because of the two kids. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. in about 88, I became the secretary. Okay. And Eva Andresa was the treasurer. And the person, in, uh, the, the one the in charge, wasn't really do the chairwoman wasn't doing anything. So we kind of ran IAPMA for four mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. and we decided we'd, we'd do a congress together mm -hmm. because it uh, really show Netherlands what paper making is. Mm -hmm. And we found a good location at a congress center, mm. and we were able to have a show there, too, and uh, we rented a tulip bulb uh, shed. shed behind it, so we could, it was huge, oh, we could do 30 workshops back wow. there. So it was really a really good congress, yeah. Yeah. and it got a lot of publicity. Yeah. And because Pat was doing all this work, I thought, oh, I'll do something too. So I organized in six or seven, seven museums. If you include the Congress Center. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, you just found the invitation. Uh, paper shows. So I uh, put an ad in this Yapma bulletin for what we were going to do, and I got more than a hundred. Uh, oh, uh, entries. Entries. Yeah. And we could maybe place uh, 
40 or something oh, right. in all these different places in the Netherlands. <clears throat> and that was all very basic. The, the artists had to pay for their own transportation and, mm -hmm. you know, no, nothing fancy like museums are usually working. Right. But when all that was behind us, I, I still had this enormous stack of, of paper art from all over the world, all this documentation. Oh, well, yeah. What to do something. with that? Yeah. And then um, the museum in Rijswijk in our town just had new young uh, Curator? curators. Yeah. That's the word. And uh, their uh, habit was to ask a Dutch, a Rijswijk artist to have a, a solo show every year, another Rijswijk artist. Mm -hmm. And it was my turn. And I was busy with everything, but my, my art was going ten different directions. So I said, now, but can I have the period? And can I make a paper, international paper show? Ah. And I said, oh, yeah, I guess so. Hey, listeners, let's take a little break here. And I wanted to let you know about a new program over here at Helen Hebert's studio. I've started a free Facebook group called Club Paper. It's a place to share what you're working on, get encouragement when you need a little push, be inspired with new ideas, tips, tricks, books, and supplies, all having to do with paper. I hope to create a place over there where we feel like we're in a clubhouse working on projects and having a conversation together. We're building a paper community, one sheet at a time. Join us by going to Facebook and searching for the group Club Paper. Now back to the episode. I didn't feel ready for that, but, so, but I said, can I have the period? And can I fill it in with a, a group show? Because we had made a group show during, uh, several group shows during the Congress. And I liked that idea. And it was also the time that um, paper makers were very scarce. Mm -hmm. you, you kind of, you were very happy to find a fellow paper maker yeah. and tell you about your life. And, and it was very <laughs> international. Yeah. Because uh -huh. there was, so it was one fun. or two and, in the And Netherlands. everyone right. had that feeling. Yes. Everyone was there. Oh, yeah. So it kind of worked like a magnet. And the Museum Rijswijk. These, these young curators, they didn't have a clue what to do with the museum. The basic uh, content of the museum was historical Rijswijk, so back to the Romans and, <laughs> right. and the pot shell here and a bone there. <clears throat> and uh, it was a success and it got uh, good reviews in the mm -hmm. paper. Mm -hmm. Plus, we, had a, we still have a friend who is a book designer graphic designer, Lou Schepens, and she's also a paper maker, and we decided from the start to make it, give this uh, show a, a catalog that really stands out, mm -hmm. that is really a, a catalog for a work paper of art, show, too. Know, yeah. the work of paper art in itself. Right. It was, the first book was called Tactile Paper, had a Japanese binding, and the holes cut in the pages, and we asked all the artists to uh, make a sample. Uh, the, the, I think the edition of the book was 2000, so we asked all the artists to make 2000 samples of the material they worked with. And that run from uh, store-bought paper to uh, rabbit droppings, uh -huh. which were cooked and pounded. Uh. Everything. Two thousand sheets. Everybody oh, yeah. did that. Wasn't, wasn't, samples. Wasn't even fewer. Oh, smaller. So maybe they made bigger sheets and they cut made them. Yeah. Big sheets okay. and they cut them up. Maybe it was fifteen hundred, but that was yeah. more than a thousand. But they wow. sold. They sold within the two months of the show. Wow! All the books. All, All the, the books. books were gone. Yeah. To who? The public. Just people that came. To and the it was show. on the radio, oh. and it was in, in bookstores, and it was whoa, something new, something yeah. fun, and I had. That book was also, for all the work we put into it, very cheap. Yeah. Uh -huh. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but also, we, by the way, we, uh, uh, also from the experience with the Congress, we had speakers and we had everyone who knew anything about paper, we had found in the Netherlands. So, 
again, I contacted all these people and the, the idea behind the book was to have a catalog part in the book and in the same volume have a, a, a part with stories about history and culture and technique of mm -hmm. paper making. Mm -hmm. So that it's not a book that you just put away and right. forget, but right. something that you want to read back. I think the first book was a bit <coughs> Dutch-oriented. There was about the, the, the paper-making paper windmill, and uh, things uh, happening in the Netherlands. The, the, the paper historical collection in the Royal Library. Yeah, but there were there are good forth. things in the Netherlands yeah, for papers sure. makers. Yeah. And so how many so every two years every the biennial continued, still continues today. But yeah. no and, more books. And how many books? We made seven books. Seven books. So fourteen years wow. long we worked with the right. museum and now it kind of petered out and uh -huh. it's kind of personal and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, Well let's yeah. let's wrap up talking about um both of your work today. So we haven't really talked about your newer work, Peter, with the shrinking. And yeah. Um, well, that's all started with the new beater. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, the old beater made s supersonic uh, shrinking pole because it always <laughs> overbeat. You couldn't help but overbeat. And... Um, so was the was the inspiration an accident or what? How did do you remember? No, no, it wasn't an accident. It was. It was uh, how did you come into the? I think experimentation. experimentation. Yeah, you see something happening and right. then you go. Yeah, wow. in, in the front house is still a, a sheet with this thick bamboo still, and then four. I always had trouble making sheets, mm -hmm. and Pat is the neat one mm -hmm. who made the beautiful sheets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my trick was to put wood in it and to keep it flat, like okay. a drum. Right. So oh, you mean that little screen with the three yeah, squares? Yeah, that was one of the first. Uh, <laughs> so you my did first that, paper making. and <laughs> you saw, and they torked. No, no they, I they, didn't this see one. The piece. Was so, the bamboo was so thick. This oh, it stayed flat. flat. Okay. Yeah. But then it, it's um, only this. It's three squares. Yeah, yeah, it's small. And I did things like um, uh, make sculptures out of wood, that I just tree wood, the, mm -hmm. the branches. Mm -hmm. And then I made a sheet of paper with the pellet still on it. And then I um, would pleat the wet paper uh -huh. over the wood and then tie it with rope. Uh -huh. and it would stick to a uh, to the form of the of the wood. Yeah, uh -huh. one of those is still upstairs. It's still upstairs, and uh -huh. it looks very scary. On the uh -huh. hallway door, there was one room. And uh, and then as a frame, I started putting bamboo around it to, to otherwise you would just kind of lose your form in flubbery flip uncontrolled uh -huh. paper. Right. And uh, it was always fighting this this uh, tendency of of paper to curl uh -huh. because a plant. When it grows, it makes it makes fibers go around the lumen, the, the hollow mm -hmm. that passes the food from the root to the flower, and to the smallest part of the plant, it's it's spiraling. Well, yes. you know that you yes. wrote about that yes. too. Yes. Yes. And if you beat it to shit for hours, it still spirals, mm -hmm. and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I got more and more aware of that, and. and um, I did it for a period, uh, making bamboo frames and then pleating the paper on top of it and then using a million clothespins to, uh -huh. to stick. See, the clothespins are still there, but I don't use them. Uh -huh. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, it's, it's... So by yeah, pleating you mean the paper sticking to itself? Yeah, That's what you... Put, this yeah. is the, the bamboo and then I put the, the yeah. paper over it and put it clamp on okay, it, right. but it was a little really caught in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes I took the bamboo frame out mm -hmm. because the, the, the memory of the paper, the shape mm -hmm. was strong enough right. and the, the form was strong enough to, to uphold gravity to and all stay that. After, and yeah. to stay. And after a while the, the, the sticks got thinner and thinner and I found a relationship between the thickness of the skin and the thickness of my sheet and how they cooperated mm -hmm. and moved together. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, right. That was a good recipe. Uh -huh. And I stuck to it till today. Right. And then you get 
you elaborate on it, you start painting the sticks. So that the paint, it's, you make the paint with paper pigments, of course, and you use the classic glues that you use to glue your paper. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and you go and you, you make things and then you visit the paper factory again and you tell them about your latest discoveries and said, yeah, we do that too, but we have this and this and this and then they throw you a whole bunch of chemicals. Uh -huh. so, oh, yeah, that's nice too. <laughs> and I've always been in contact with the paper industry uh -huh. and uh, the Royal Dutch Paper Factory now has been bought up by South African uh, Tolpen uh, Paper Soppy. Oh, and now okay. they're very no fun, no mm. no time for play. Mm. It's mm. only money. Uh, Hmm. But now there's not a paper factory in the Schut, Schut yeah. which is a very old-fashioned factory yeah. too. They make beautiful uh, watercolor paper oh. and stuff like that. Uh -huh. And colored paper, nice too. Nice guy in the in the paper uh, lab. Uh -huh. So if you want to ask things about <coughs> color and right. they they know. And there's a big color laboratory and dealer. Right here in the five kilometers away from here, ah, we had to. Very convenient. Very yeah. convenient. We had to buy. Oh, gallons. Buy that yeah. kilo. It was like one of these. Yeah. Oh, of each and then color. you pay thousands of guilders, but then. A thousand euros. Of, of euros, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Gallo. But then that's the only way. Right. Because they don't sell to small, uh, yeah. small uh, mm -hmm. retailers. And yeah, in the beginning, they just say, we don't sell fibers. And then you say, but I want a whole lot. Yeah, then okay. in the beginning, you get just this right. shove off. Oh, no, no, we don't do pigments. No, no, <laughs> no, never heard of pigments. And then I, I knew from my paper friends that that's where they bought the stuff. So I... So you had to pique their to, curiosity. Yeah. And then finally... Yeah. yeah. Find yeah. Uh, what yeah. size is your... You call it a vacuum table? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a vacuum table. So, we, we discussed that also. In I the, know, but this is a different this is, recording. No, it's the same one. Still. Yeah, I think It's so. five by two and a half. Meters. And Meters. it used to be two and a half by two and a half. Okay. No, five by two and a half always, and then ten by two and a half. No, and, no, sorry. It's five by two and a half. And you can you block it off to make smaller no. pieces? No, you just you lay out <laughs> small. I don't want to make What do you have pieces. on it right now? Are there several pieces? <clears throat> no, it's the third the, piece. The stuff the... you see there on the floor. Yeah, on the miracle. I showed her that. Is this sculpture that contains consists of three pieces, and I'm making the middle piece. Okay. And it's the most complicated way, so of course that's the way we do it. Yeah. But. My dark blue is darker in one in piece one than in piece two. So with so with making the middle piece, I'm trying to blend that in so it's not so obvious. It'll probably be a totally different color again. So let's just talk briefly about your your commissions. You're doing quite well now, yeah, and you've done for for the last five started, ten years. Yeah, it started in two thousand uh -huh. and nine. Then I had a, I was invited to decorate a abbey church in the yes, north of France. Yes, I remember the pictures. Yeah, and that was mm -hmm. flamboyant Gothic, beautiful, beautiful. church, mm -hmm. nice little bit run down because the French don't give a shit about mm -hmm. churches and but they, they do too many. Uh, they they got, got too, too many, many. and so you have this this atmosphere of decay, and uh -huh. and we went up in the roof, and then you have the little spiral steps, and then mm. by by step ten, it starts to be difficult to get your feet on the oh. steps because of the pigeon shit. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and the whole <laughs> attic was covered. Yeah. Beautiful. It's that you're above <clears throat> the ceiling and under the roof. Yeah. Uh huh. But so they, they had, a, in the summer, they have a classic music festival in mm -hmm. that church. Mm -hmm. And every five years, they have a budget to decorate the church. And through friends that I met uh, through the paper biennial, I got connected with this church. Mm -hmm. And uh, then during that two months it hung there, nothing happened. Yet the, the school teacher of the village 
came and interviewed me uh-huh. for their for her class. Uh-huh. And, but no press, nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. But the photos we took, we uh-huh. put on the web. And yeah. then it was also the, the time that the web kind of became uh-huh. There was a film. We got it later. Yeah, there was one. It went on the web, and, and it, you can still find it sometimes now. Oh, yeah, that's true. There was one film. Yeah, it's yeah. very old. Yeah. And, and so they, people started seeing <clears throat> yeah. the yeah, And they started reposting uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. on Pinterest and Facebook and, oh, look what I saw. Yeah. And, pic- yeah. and they took pictures and put them on the Internet. And the pictures, because the the background is the... It's, Gothic architecture with all these ribs. Mm-hmm. My work is full of ribs, right. so it kind of corresponded. It was uh-huh. nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, are these commissions that you're getting? So, you have like Disney, something, yeah, yeah. The, 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 Orlando, Florida, Orlando, cruise ship, cruise ships, uh, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Uh, that was sixty-four pieces. Wow. Yeah, they yeah. kind of emptied the studio. So are they approaching you directly, or yeah, is there yeah. there's but no? No, Abu Dhabi was directly, mm-hmm. and the art dealer. The, normally, it's an art dealer, mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a gallery. We don't have somebody that take that does our stuff. Right. We we take care of our own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, she takes care of. That. Because if you have business. a gallery, they take fifty percent. Sure. Yeah. Right. And but the art dealer that represents the client. Also wants a cut. Yes, so. of course. But they yeah. have to pay our price yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what they get out of it, they have to figure out for on. themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. And China, this uh, China thing was the biggest one yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, we the can give you a small. catalog. Oh, yeah. right. Mm. And so how many... Um, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of the timeline. Like, mm. how many commissions are you working on at one time? Uh, one, no. at time. one at a time. One at a time. Yeah. But, but there then is, there's uh, another at, one. At the moment, for example, there is a, uh, a shipment to uh, Qatar waiting, waiting packed up. That. There's a shipment for a hotel in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Cardiff. Cardiff, sorry. Cardiff, capital of Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. So that's, a, that's just the three pieces. Yeah, and then there's two pieces waiting to go to Ibiza. Yeah. And, and then there's the Holland America line, so there's. Okay. Four things. Four kind of in different phases. But yeah. I'm working actually on, on one. only on yeah. one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some there's a ho- uh, a restaurant in Toronto that's uh, wanting pieces, but they haven't said yes. Yeah. And so, what about the design of the? Do you um, send a proposal? How do you come up with the idea Normally that you're going? They Take photos from the web mm-hmm. <clears throat> and say, we would like something in this style, these colors. Um, if they don't know, I send them choices. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. These are, these are colors. That... And you can have like flying carpets or you can have uh, you can have them connected. That thing in the floor mm-hmm. that was, was connected was a, like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh-huh. It was 30 meters With long. bolts and nuts. Uh-huh. Chuck, chuck, chuck. Right, right, right. Yeah. And each piece had to fit the next piece. Right. And mm-hmm. do you go to install these sometimes? Uh, Florida I did. Or? And uh, in China I did. And Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And China was, they're really, uh, they go all out. They first invite you to come and see the building when they're still building it. Oh, wow. And then they give you a museum show and they give Pat a museum show. Uh-huh. Pat will have not a museum show in a month. This is the third. The third one. Wow. And they make wonderful catalogs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Wow. <laughs> That's great. They have so, taken a lot of my work. And so yeah. let's work. end with your work, sort of what you're doing today and have been doing. Um, well, right now I, I'm... In April, I'll be having a show in China, in Suzhou. Mm-hmm. Uh, they picked out quite a few of my pieces. Mm-hmm. So, actually, my work is being sold more in China right now than, yeah. than here. Uh-huh. We are doing an exhibit together the 30th of June. It's opening here yeah. in The Hague. Oh, in a nice building downtown The uh-huh. Hague. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the, we haven't been doing, we've kind of stopped doing little shows. Uh-huh. That you know where people ask you to do things. Yeah. we've given up on that. We just mm-hmm. don't have the time. Right. And basically, what I'm doing is um, I'm Peter's uh, administrator, administrator, yeah. secretary, photographer. Uh, yeah, she orders the containers. I have to deal with the shipping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, the invoices, the shipping papers. 
Uh-huh. It's very complicated, and actually it's getting kind of tiring, and our daughter's helping with me now a little bit okay. with it. So maybe I can get back to work sometime. Uh-huh. My own yeah. work. Uh-huh. Our daughter is a... Artificial, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence computer uh, uh-huh. maniac. Uh-huh. She's very cool, calm, and collected, and always been into paper. So oh, good. She, she, she knows everything. She can help. She can help Hello? administration. She can help yeah. in the garden. And Fantastic. she keeps us kind yeah. of optimistic, you know. Mm-hmm. We both sometimes yeah. go like, oh. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, great. But no sign of <clears throat> retiring. No, what would I do? You, you've been working for almost 50 years, right? Yeah, I'm 71 yeah. now. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I, th- uh, don't, I don't plan on retiring. I don't like vacations. Right. And I don't, don't like cruise ships <laughs> other than put art into it. Right. That. Right. I, I have my garden, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, and this house takes a lot of work. It's a 16th century farm. The, yeah. the, the front house is that old; that the stables wow. aren't. Right, right. And now they're building next door, and I'm scared to death that uh, they're going to pound uh, uh, poles of 25 meters long uh-huh. into the ground, and uh-huh. the vibrations. It's going to do something. Something yeah. or not? So yeah. I'm, yeah. Okay, well, wonderful. You want to see the beater? Have you been at the Yeah, set? Yes. we're going to stop recording. And no, I haven't seen it, so we'll go do that. Yeah. Hey, paper friends. Did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper, featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com slash blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here, and the best way to stay updated is to join my newsletter list to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Red Cliff Paper Retreat, which takes place right here at Helen Hebert Studio in Colorado. You can sign up at HelenHebertStudio.com. This wraps up our episode, and if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you'll notice I've done a bit more editing than usual. This is thanks to the help of Gary A. Hansen. Visit HelenHebertStudio.com and click on Paper Talk, where you can find out more about Gary and his services. Subscribe to this series via iTunes. You can also leave a review. I'd appreciate that. And listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. Talk to you soon. Yeah,